Hey, 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 welcome to another version of the Pastor Duke podcast. I am in Portsmouth, Ohio, doing uh, a Shawnee Hills Baptist Church family camp this week. We are off to a great start. I'm loving it, loving it, loving it. And I have Pastor Kenny Estep here, longtime friend, about 10 years ago, we got connected yes. and I've uh, been at the church a few times. Why don't you your, introduce yourself? I got my tang tongued up there for a moment. <laughs> my listening audience is used to that, but welcome to the podcast, Kenny. And get, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Pastor Duke. My name is Kenny Estep. I am um, married to Amy Estep, my love of my life for 27 years. Uh, he married years. up a bit, I'm just saying. A whole bit, a whole bunch, <laughs> Why not? brother. Amen. A whole bunch. I have three lovely children, two grandchildren, and I am just blessed beyond measure. I pastor the Shawnee Hills Baptist Church in Portsmouth, Ohio. Amen. And uh, we made a connection 10 years ago. Your brother? Yes. My stepbrother was on staff at Lighthouse Baptist in Chillicothe, and I would watch sermons online, and I saw uh, you preached there for a revival, and I saw that message, and I loved it. So I contacted you out of the blue, and you agreed to come. And That doesn't happen very often, kind of. Uh, I mean, just my dad would say strangers from Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes, because we, we were very selective. We had very few different people in to preach at our church, but it was just radically different, and it was something that our church resonated with. So we decided after you preached the first time, we would have you again. And uh, we had you a few times, and then COVID hit, and... Um, yes, kind of changed things around a little bit for all of us. That's what really led me into podcasting is because I was off the road, had to do something and got introduced to this. And it's uh, used to speak to 25,000 people a year on a great year traveling around. Now I speak to uh, 500,000 people a year through podcasting. Amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. So we're thankful for that. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background when you came to the Lord and called to preach. And uh, those are the favorite questions I always love to ask preachers. Well, I grew up in an independent fundamental Baptist church, very active church. It was a great church. I always had something going on, fondest memories of church. We had church camp every year. Church camp was huge in my life. I was saved at an early age, around eight years old, uh, 15 years old, around a campfire at church camp. I came to really understand the gospel, and a man named Kim Whittington uh, walked me through the scriptures of assurance of salvation, and God just did a wonderful work in my life. I stayed in that church. There was a brief time I went to basic training in the Army, and I was off with the Army National Guard. There was a few years there where I wasn't in fellowship with the Lord. When I came back to my hometown, I was in the insurance business. I was working bivocationally. I ran a basketball league at our church, a teenage basketball league, and through that, I just kind of connected with the teenagers and began to uh, work with the teens. And we had a youth director, teen pastor at the time. He left, and there was a hole there, and the pastor asked me to just step in temporarily, and I fell in love with teen ministry. So you were just kind of um, at the human level accidentally in the ministry. Yes. Just, just, yes. just because you were faithful, yes. and you, if there was a need, you met it, and you just find yourself in the ministry. Yes. Our pastor always taught us to work. You know, we worked hard in the ministry. I do not regret it. Uh, some of the things, uh, a little bit of legalism that God has delivered me from, but a great foundation for ministry. And we just served the Lord, and we were always doing things. We'd have t camp, a teen camp with about 80 teenagers, just our church. And on Sunday mornings in a teen class, I'd have 50 or 60 teenagers. And I was able to just, we just ran it like church. I didn't I didn't know anything else, so we would sing songs, take up an offering, and preach just like the big service. And so you, you were learning ministry, preparing for ministry by doing ministry. Yes, and I had no clue. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm truthful. I had no clue what I was doing. I just loved the kids, and we kind of connected and uh, met my wife. Uh, she was on board with it, and I left. A very lucrative job. I was an insurance adjuster with a Fortune 500 company, and I just couldn't bear the thought of not being in ministry. I just felt like if I, I would not be at peace unless I was in ministry. Yeah. And so we resigned, and she we took a pay cut, and 
we went into ministry and I think that was might have been an understatement right there. I took a pay cut. <laughs> yeah. You say it so smallly, is that a word smallly? Uh but I mean let that sink in, audience. You know, when you're serving the Lord, that money isn't the thing that drives you. You know that God's we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and he's just going to have to take care of us. seems like every preacher I, I, I meet, this is part of the story. You, you know, you, you can't serve God and money. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, even the, I say it like we took a pay cut and we did, and it was a significant pay cut, but we never, God has met every need. We yeah. never wanted for anything. Yeah. And I, it's nothing compared to his sacrifice, which he sacrificed for me. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm at peace. So you're in ministry but didn't have a real formal training for ministry, except that you're doing it, which is by far the best way to, to do it. But I know there was some uh, Bible college training that followed. Yes. So kind of pick us up here. Yes, I went to uh, story there. Tri-State Bible College. is a Bible college in South Point. It was started by a Dallas uh, seminary graduate years ago, 1971, I think, the year I was born, actually. My dad went there. Uh, he was part of the United Baptist uh, growing after he was saved, and it was a very legalistic. I never even heard of them. I'm well, surprised. Yes, yeah. it was. It was ultra legalistic. Get saved every week. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that before he left our church, uh, left that church, he went to 33 straight services, and not one time did a preacher preach, and everybody talked about how spiritual it was. Mm-hmm. And but he met by the pastor I grew up under in this Bible college. It was a solid Bible college. And he met him, and we went to that church. It was a new plant, and that's how uh, that's where the roots were. So when I wanted to go to Bible college, I wanted to go there because he went there, and it was mm-hmm. instrumental sure. in his life, and uh, it changed my life. I learned how to study the Bible. Uh, I, they used the methods that Dallas used. Yeah, uh, Howard Hendricks' course. On, True and uh, tried. Yeah. Oh, biblical man. homiletics, yes. hermeneutics. Yes. Absolutely. Back to the basics. Yes. Yeah, you know, I find it so interesting. I, I was from a different part of the country. The churches were different, especially the last 45 years in upstate New York. But uh, this is kind of, I don't want to say central Appalachia, but it's kind of on the edge of it. Is that yes, right? Yes. No, we're 100% Appalachia. Okay. We are. And we know we know if you're an Appalachian, if you say Appalachian, if you say Appalachian, then you are not. Yes, yes. You're, you are not. I gave myself away, didn't I? You gave I? away. You gave it away. I still got a little hillbilly in me, though. So <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm filling out an application to be Appala- Appala- Appalachian. Appalachian. Yes, sir. I'm trying to get in. That's all. We'll, we'll get you in. You know what I find here, though, that I love? The, the genuineness. I, 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 just, I just feel it. It's, it's your church or your people. Even the kids. It's just a, it's genuine uh, Christianity. It's so refreshing because I kind of had in my face some fake Christianity the last few years and you know, Christian celebrity wannabes. And I, I come here to Shawnee Hills and a lot of, a lot of churches here in Ohio speaking, just great men of God in their city, trying to make a difference for Christ, lifting up his name, living by Amen. faith, trusting God for everything, making sacrifices, which they seem like nothing uh, in, in light of his sacrifice, but it's very refreshing for me to be here. So your youth guy, mm-hmm. continue the story. Well, I just, after that, I, I, I have a passion for preaching. Absolutely love preaching. And uh, God just used that. And I just preached every chance I, I got. I, I remember I went to Cedarville to see in person Dr. David Jeremiah when he had a pastoral summit. And we got to have a question and answer. And one of the gentlemen asked uh, Dr. Jeremiah about preaching and a training. And, and he said, "My, what, you know, what would you do for a young man starting out as far as training, he said, I would tell you this. Get all the education you can, but preach as much as you can. If no one wants to go to the jail, you go to the jail. If no one wants to go to the street, you go to the street. If somebody wants to preach every opportunity you get, and God will use you. And I remember my college president, Dr. W.E. Dow, said this about preaching. Preaching is when you stand between the living and the dead with a message of life. And he'd smile and say, no pressure. <laughs> But, uh, Kenny, how can our people plug in and hear you preach? Online, anything they can go to to yes, hear yes, you? Yes, we're on sermonaudio.com uh, under Shawnee Hills Baptist Church of Portsmouth. And we also have a Facebook page. And we, um, we have audio sermons going out 
literally around the world. It's amazing. Uh, Sermon Audio has a great outreach, and we have people in Bulgaria. We have people in, we've even had, believe it or not, someone in Russia before listen to one of our sermons. And I don't know the people. It's just the dynamics they, they give us yeah. the, and, and show us with that. But uh, that's that's our mediums. You know, that's how we get the word out. It's amazing. You know, when I, in the old days, you just preached to the crowd that was there. It was one and done and over. But when we put something up online, it's one and never done. It goes yes. out to the world. And so if you want to tune him in, tell us again how they can do that. Uh, sermonaudio.com. And then you just type in Shawnee Hills Baptist Church of Portsmouth, Ohio. How about that? Pastor and Kenny Estep. They can hear your sermon preach Sunday also and watch it. Yes, yes. Yes. I already watched the first half of it yes, <laughs> on Facebook. Good. Amen. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> I got a better face for audio than for video, so <laughs> uh, I I totally understand. I thought he said he was going to agree. <laughs> I think he does. I've been taught to respect my elders. <laughs> okay, your youth pastor, and then next, I meet you as a pastor. What what happened there? Well, then I became the co-pastor. We our pastor started the church, and he was older, had some health issues, and uh, I began to preach two of the three services a week, did most of the funerals. Uh, I was doing all the ministry. Uh, he would preach primarily Sunday morning. Um, then things started getting a little complicated because men and women started coming to me because I was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just kind of getting uncomfortable. And I didn't want to do anything to defame the the church, the testimony, the pastor. I respect him. He's in heaven. He's my only pastor I ever had. So I, I was really going to thinking about going back into insurance and maybe find a church that would let me teach Sunday school, just be a Bible teacher and, and work in the, in the secular insurance industry. And the Bible college president, Dr. Clifford Marcourt, who's in heaven now, he was a president at the time, out of the blue, he called me and said, I, there's a church in Portsmouth, and I want to give them your name. Would you be okay with that? Scared me to death. I've never done anything like that. I've never filled out an application or resume for a ministry. Uh, I said, sure, go ahead. Well, they had me come down and speak on a Sunday morning. Uh, two of the deacons were in our in my Bible hermeneutics class, and I didn't even know then that they were deacons, and so we got to talking, and they asked me to come, and I preached on a candidate on a Sunday morning, and I went there with 40 people. Uh, it was just really the person, the pastor had left. He was a Went into full-time evangelist at one time. The church was thriving. But the former pastor, was a, his heart was in evangelism. He and I are very good friends today. He's on the road as an evangelist. But the, the church needed a people, and or a pastor, excuse me, and the pastor needed a people. And God welded us together. I, I called the deacon when I got home and said, there's no way I can pastor this church. The church I was in was about 350, 400. And I said, there's just no way I can go. I, I, I just can't do this. And the deacon asked me, he said, just pray. Don't say no, just pray about it. I said, okay. Well, he was praying, they were praying, I was praying, and they wanted me to come back. And I had no more vacation days, and I didn't want the pastor to know yet. So they had me come down on a Tuesday evening. Came down, and, and I spoke, I preached, and then we had a dinner. And then they got But how far questions. away was that? It's about 50 miles. Okay. And so uh, we could, they could ask me questions and, and things like that, and we just kind of hit it off, and then the Lord started working on me, and that came to the point where I felt like if if I can trust you, I can trust you with 40, I can trust you with 400, I'm going to step out and see what happens. Well, and, I was there preaching Sunday, and there's a whole lot more than 40. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. We're, we typically are 150 now or so, and but it's I, I swear when I say this, people don't believe me. I do not count. I do not. I, they, keep, they keep records for but they don't tell me. I, I really don't know how many we yeah. have. I know who's not there, if that makes sense. I know I know. I love my church. And I love my family. And if they're not there, I, I worry about them and, and et cetera. But God's blessed us, and that's been 20 years. Starting January the 1st, I'll start my 20th year at Shawnee Hills Baptist Church. Boy, in today's world, that's, uh, that's rare. But I'll tell you, those guys that stay the longest, I think, are the guys that see God do the most. Yes. I, I had longevity bred into me. My home pastor started his church in 58, and he died there in 93. I did his funeral. My pastor in Missouri was in uh, there for, I think, 40 years when uh, right up to health took him out of the ministry. And I just uh, just did uh, 32 as lead pastor and 40 
as a uh, pastor and and associate at the same church. So uh, I think longevity uh, gives God opportunity to do things. But, you know, I, I, I'm with your people at camp and hanging out with them, eating meals with them, and they talk behind your back, preacher, and they love you. And the reason they love you is because you loved them first and oh, man. because God loved us first. And uh, it's kind of the way church ought to be. I just say this, the authenticity. Joellen is here with me. And uh, your your folks are loving her up, and uh, we kind of like hanging out with you and get to do camp, get to hang out with the kids. And I just rock by. I'm just rocked this morning. They they this church has made this amazing sacrifice to build a, a camp out of nothing on the top of. I call it a mountain, but it's a pretty steep hill. And uh, I saw it years ago, and it was just a dream. And now the the dream is coming. Past faith is a substance of things hoped for. And uh, here it is, a church making these sacrifices, and they don't charge a penny to come to this camp. They trust God for everything. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right, Tell us the story of those the couple little girls that are here. Uh, yeah. Just I know yeah. we can't give names or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, we, well, we have a gentleman in our church, and he has two little girls that live next to him. They're living with their grandmother, and he asked if they could come to camp, and absolutely he went to pick them up, and they had no clothes, uh, just the clothes they had on, and he took them to Goodwill and got them some clothes, and then some of the ladies, some of the families in our church found out and went, got them a few outfits, but we found out in the midst of this that those two girls had been trafficked and uh, sex by trafficking by their own dad. Who was in prison Dad's probably in prison. for drugs. Who yes, knows. yes, and so they're here, and uh, we're loving on them, and uh, we just, uh, it's just a shocking thing. And, uh, we are up, it's real. And so we're, we're just praying that God will use camp to change lives. And, uh, we do see the brokenness all around us. Yeah. And, and, uh, these, I know the, uh, the one little girl is she, uh, she took well to you and she loves you. And, and of course you love her and, and, uh, Joe Allen was all right there with us, you know, and it's it's just a, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it just, it's heartbreaking, but we we feel like we have the opportunity, and we feel like this camp is is an avenue. We get them away from the world, and and we don't want to charge. If we even said it was fifty dollars, but if you don't have the money, we'll sponsor you. Then they wouldn't come. Yeah, but if it's like free it's, and we trust God, it's paid for. Um, it's it's a w- unbelievable story, but it's a story of of, of people and like Nehemiah, they had a mind to work. In our church, for some reason, they just absolutely love children's ministry, youth ministry, and it's always been our our goal to reach them with Jesus before they get into this bad culture. Than it is to re- it's easier to rehab to reach them with Jesus than it is to rehabilitate them. So, on one hand, we have the devil trafficking the most innocent. These these little girls are absolutely beautiful. And then on the Jesus side of things, we have the rescue. Yes. And it does it through camp. I was just thinking back in New York, I have a grandchild this week at a great Christian camp. cost $500. Mm-hmm. $500 to yeah. go in here in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. If they had to go $500 to go to camp, nobody would go to camp. Yet up on top of the hill, carved out by just a local church and a preacher that got touched by God at camp, a heart for camp, a heart for God. And they're up on the hill learning about Jesus, having a time of their life, eating healthy food, yes, and uh, getting uh, cooks loving on them, and teenagers kind of are running the program up mm-hmm. there and yes. uh, modeling a, a good life for them. I just think it's for those 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 children that are were trafficked. It's a whole another world and they are liking it oh they're yes so, it's obvious you know, people want to see the work of god man the work of god is just it's so humble it's so it's everywhere and so i i'm just i'm just overwhelmed i come uh to your church and your camp to give and i feel like i get more every time i'm here i feel like i'm getting more than i'm giving so they call you yes and, and uh, then he said by the way after i'd already told my church i was leaving they said oh one of the deacons called me and said, uh, the other deacon told me I should call you and let you know that we're in the red. And I'd already resigned from the other church, and that kind of scared me because, you know, I have a family. I had two girls at the time, a wife and two daughters, and I'm like, how am I going to make this? 
And they said, well, we've got, a, we've got an emergency CD for $5,000 that's in the, in the bank, and if we have to, we can use it. And I, I said, well, if, if we such can't a time tr- as this, yeah, if we can't trust God now, then we can't, we can't do it now. Let's trust him and see what happens. And uh, they've paid me every week since then. And they've blessed me in other ways as well financially. So I, I, I can't complain. You know, a lot of uh, men, maybe they just don't know any better, but they're in ministry. They're graduating Christian colleges, and they're looking for the benefit package and the vacation plan and the, uh, the retirement fund set aside to take on a, a job as an associate or, or a church. And I just grew up where you just live for Jesus and, you meet the need and preach, pray, and plug away and trust God for everything. And that's what we did. Yes. And he took care of us, and we're, we're fine, and, 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 and that's what you did. Yeah, and I want to be cautious, and I don't want to act like, you know, I had some, I'm some visionary that had this great vision and knew how it was all going to work out. I was scared to death. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just took one step at a time, and I remember uh, hearing a message uh, one step at a time. And if you're faithful with a little, I'll make you ruler of much. So I figured if we were faithful with what we got, God will bless us. And there he goes, dragging Bible verses into this story again. You always do that, Kenny. <laughs> it's, uh, well, <laughs> that's all I know, brother. <laughs> so, uh, but so we can trust God, huh? Yeah, I feel like Abraham said, I, 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 I being in the way, the Lord led me. And, um, you know, I, I've, I'm certainly in the way, and the Lord led me. This is not anything that I've done. I've just shown up. Yeah, I for work. That's you know, how he works. That's that's it. This this is the gospel. This is the ministry. I, I guess I'm just so I'm 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 so offended. I'm seeing these Christian so called leaders biting the dust, Ravi Zacharias living a double life, Bill Hybels moral moral failure, Johnny Hunt moral failure. I love these guys, you know, and they've ministered to me and they they were great guys. And, and I see the celebrity wannabe guys out there and making a big splash and preaching half the gospel, drawing a crowd, and just I get so sick of it and just refreshed to be here with you guys again and, and just watch the Lord show up. And here's a church that cares and can provide a camp for free to kids who just got out of being trafficked. Who knows what those uh, little girls have seen so far in their lives, where they must be about nine years old, maybe yeah. nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they want our hearts. They're getting looked out for this week. Yes, They're sir. being fed this week. They're they're learning. And I was just thinking, when when they hear the word Jesus, what do they really even know about him? You know, everybody at camp's talking about him, and they haven't seen him yet. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I mean, they're coming from complete darkness. Yes. But, boy, rescue. Yes. Um, lean days, those early days, but people began to get saved and the crowd grew. Yes. Kind of walk us through some of those early battles and well, miraculous we, provisions. Well, anytime there's change, there's difficulty. And whenever there's, you know, heat and friction, there's fire. And we went through some difficult times. We had some folks through the years we ran vans. We had four Ford vans that were held together by rust. We Bailing wire. Yes, sir. We Duct had tape. We had men who would weld hinges on doors on a Wednesday afternoon so on Wednesday night we could pick them up for Awana. And I think God blessed those efforts. And it wasn't any one person. Uh, it was a, a group effort. I, as I said, and I've said this before, these people needed a pastor, but this pastor needed a people, and God brought us together. And you can't separate one from the other. And we just get, went to work and going after kids and picking up random bus routes. And we've had, uh, we, I remember we were remodeling our building, and we had some folks in the church, and um, they they came against us a little bit. And we were remodeling, and there was some drywall dust. We had a gentleman in our church calling people, called the EPA on us, and said that we had uh I don't forget what the dry the asbestos asbestos that's what it was that we were exposing kids to asbestos and was calling parents and telling them not to bring their kids to our church because we were exposing them to asbestos. Well, the EPA came in and inspected the church and we were doing better. We had you know enclosed the asbestos so it could not be contaminated. 
So you were falsely accused. Yes, falsely accused. And what it was is simple drywall dust. They took a sample of the drywall, nothing in it, everything was well. And the truth of the matter was it was, it was, a, it was a turning point in our ministry because it was a battle. And, um, you know, I had to confront those guys. I'm a young guy. They're older guys. I had to confront them, and, and it was tough. But I did so. I'm, I remember there were some guys sawing up at the camp working, and some of them were involved, and they were sawing a board, and I came up and threw the Bible down in front of the saw. And they stopped real quick. And I told them, it ends today. One of us, it ends today. And long story short, God blessed, worked through that. There was some uh, some people left. and But the ones that left, we were fearful. We didn't know what was going to happen. But after they left, God blessed us, and we grew. And God just continued to grow. There were, there's were there been things like that all along, battles all along. The but, branch that beareth fruit, he purges it yeah. so it can bring forth more fruit. More fruit. Yeah. If you, Nehemiah, if you're going to build, you're going to have to battle. Yes. And the battle was, unfortunately, a lot of times, if not most of the time, is within. Are you listening, audience, to the heartbeat of preachers? A pure heart trying to do the work of God and getting opposed from within, attacked from within. So don't be guilty of that. Just pray for preachers. There's a lot of great men out there. Hey, there's phonies out there, too. Go yes. after them. Expose them. But when you got the real deal, love on them. Pray for your preacher. And, uh, and you just didn't quit and wanted uh, to, I'll be honest. I re I resigned many times, but I just never turned a letter in. And, uh, but I, I remember one Sunday in particular, I stood before the church. I dismissed the visitors and I stood before the church and I just poured my heart out to him. Um, I told him, I said, you know, someone had called the EPA on us, but I want the church to know that it was, we passed with flying collars, the reports available. If you want to see it, uh, I said the, the most thing that hurt me the most, I guess the most hurtful thing was that someone would think that we would endanger these children. And I just broke down in the pulpit. And after that, uh, many people came to rally and came to support me. And we moved forward and we grew and we got closer and things. And there were people, there were people in the church who knew they were involved in the, and they knew that we were doing the right thing and we were trying to make it better, and I had I had carpenters, union carpenters in the church, who knew the regulations, who knew what needed to be done, and did it in a proper way. And every step of the way, it was confirmed, and God just uh, He just took care of it. Yeah, He lets us get beat up sometimes. Yes, and there have been times when I deserve to be beat up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. So, you know, just old poor preacher. Uh, there were times when I tried programs and I tried to do things and advance things that were uh, failures. And um, Yeah, I call those things uh, mistakes. They're not sins. They're, they're, okay, yes, I would look back on a lot of what I did and say, boy, that, that didn't work. Yes. But that was not an error of heart. I always taught my preacher boys, um, you know, you're going to try things. And I told my church, we're going to try an outreach or something, and it may or may not work, but we're going to be guilty of trying. Yes. If it doesn't work, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stop, and we'll try to find something that does work. But uh, I don't call those failures. I just call those uh, we learned what didn't work. Yes. And they were not errors of heart. Errors of heart, uh, that, that's different. When you're yes. lazy and you're, and you're not going after the needs of your people and you're not trying to reach people, Shame on us for preachers if that's if we're guilty of that. But I know you've never been guilty of that kind of stuff here. You know, I had I have a great group of deacons, our deacon board, and I have a great relationship. We, we, I have accountability with them, and every there are things that I have full authority to do that I still include them in, mm-hmm. just to keep our accountability. Yeah, they're not yes men. They can disagree with me without it becoming disagreeable. And we have a great board, men who love the Lord. I've and sat I'm thankful. with I'm thankful. I've sat with those men, and uh, what you're talking about is what I would call establish, or excuse me, empowerment. You have empowered those men to speak truth into your life, yes. to agree with you, to disagree with you. But because of that, you've made them feel their value. You've, you're 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 producing men of God here, not just little servants of the preacher. They're allowed to ask you the hard questions, and yes. I've seen them, and they, they do. Yes. And that has only caused them to respect and love you more. And, uh, sure. I, you know, it's just, it's just the growth process of being a, a long-term pastor. you got to learn to work through things with people. 
and I see that here. Let me ask you, uh, kind of switching gears here, uh, what what turned out to be maybe different in ministry from what you thought about? Well, you know, oh, okay, I'll be in ministry, and what are some of the realities that you were <laughs> that took you by surprise? Well, I, I just thought everybody would have the same eagerness to serve that I did, and oh, I thought everybody was like, these church people are here to serve the Lord, and they're we're ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. And I didn't know much about apathy or lethargy. I didn't know those words. I learned them quickly, mm-hmm. but I didn't know them. And so uh, I, I, that would be, to me, I, I just had an assumption of what I thought ministry was by watching great men of faith and their ministry. They had it all together, and, and I didn't truly know what ministry was. And even in Bible college, I'm thankful for the Bible college education I had. They gave me a set of tools that helped me study and helped me to do things. But, man, I had to learn ministry by ministering. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in the course of that, what I thought everybody would be, I thought I'd have people lining up to drive a church van. I thought I'd have people that just would be at church 10 or 15 minutes early uh, for class on Awana night. But, uh, boy, I was... I was uh, in for a rude awakening. Yes, sir. Yes. There are no shortcuts. I I thought, you know, I, I'm guilty of everything you just said, and I thought the same thing, and I thought everybody would have that passion, and I was shocked that anybody would attack me. I was bivocational, working nights at UPS, driving a double shift on school bus, taking almost nothing from the church, living by faith, living by the sweat of my brow, and I had somebody say, you're just in it for the money. <laughs> and I had left a position as director of the Lakes Country Rehabilitation Center in Springfield, Missouri, with a fabulous income to come up here and get told that you're just in it for the money. It's like, I guess when they falsely accuse Jesus, they're going to falsely accuse us. But God just lets that happen. And, you know, you just don't quit. And I guess keep your eyes on Jesus, hand on the plow. And I guess you just sort of come forth as gold and, you know, you get hurt by all that and let down, and you learn from it, and next thing you know, somebody gets saved. Yeah, and I, you forget all about all the junk you went through. Yes, I had a, a friend tell me, he said, the secret to longevity as a pastor is keeping the people that don't like you away from the people that haven't made up their mind yet. <laughs> I sign on to that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, what, uh, you know, what is your deepest ministry passion you know for me people look at me say oh uh duke is a man of faith he came here without a job and he lived by faith and then and other people he's a prophecy dude you know i I love prophecy yes what what is your ministry passion i'm a disciple dude i am growing up in the church i grew up we were very evangelistic and i still am today i love to win souls Winning souls at all cost. Did you hear that, audience? Soul winning. Yes. Old-fashioned telling people about Jesus. It still works. It works. But the one regret I have is I didn't follow up and disciple them. And Jesus said, make disciples. Go to all nations and make disciples. And so that's a passion of mine. And I've been here 20 years, and I'm thinking when you've been in a church 20 years, I guess my thinking is I'm looking at the next 10 or 15, 20 years or how long the Lord allows me to stay here. I have no plans. I have no desire. I feel like God wants me to finish here and finish well. I've only been in two churches, the church I grew up in. I was saved. I was baptized. I was called to preach. Uh, my mother, uh, th- that, that preacher buried my mother. He's my preacher. Uh, we, he, he preached for me when I came down here. He's in heaven now. I learned a lot from him. And then I came to this church. I've only been in two churches. And so I want to finish strong, and the, the the remaining years I have left, I want to devote to making disciples, training disciples. And I, I feel like that that's more than just training a set of little Bible principles, but it, meeting people where they are, walking through them with life, and teaching them to number one to how how to listen to God, how to how to talk to God, how to pray, how to how to be led by the Spirit, how to be filled with the Spirit. How these things are passionate to me. That's, that's my passion. And as you disciple, I've watched you for 10 years and I've seen men in your church when I met them 10 years ago, they're still here, but they were just uh, church attenders and now they're men of God. I, I think Derek there in yes. camp is so full of energy and life and yes. just a, 
the kids love him. How could they not? I mean, he's just Passionate. he's just just Talented. just a five hundred watts, just shining Jesus in their face, and uh, it's just so beautiful to watch the kingdom of God advance here in on the in Appalachia. Apple, I'll just say Appalachia because that's all I know. <laughs> I can't change that now. Yeah. Well, you know, Derek's one, Bryce is one. Bryce, when he came to our church, oh my goodness! And I can't I, I don't, tell us the Bryce story. I love this kid. Bryce came. Uh, his family came to our church. Nine, they had nine children. Bryce was one of the children. When he walked in that Sunday, he would not look me in the eye. He grew up in our church, went to church camps and everything, and I began to be able to to uh, pour into Bryce's life. And he decided he felt like he was called to preach. And Bryce has an unlikely going, guy. Unlikely guy. God has used him tremendously. He is awesome. He fills in for me. He leads, opens our service, leads worship. He is going to Tri-State Bible College right now. He has grown exponentially. He can handle the word tremendously. And there are other stories like that. And there's Bryce and Derek, and there's a few other guys I meet with every Saturday morning at seven thirty. We meet. Yeah, and I saw Bryce open the service Sunday, yes. and I whispered. He was so he was so warm and so genuine, so eloquent, and just comfortable. And I told I whispered to Joelle, and I said, "You're witnessing a miracle here. Yes. This kid was was so shy and yes. stumbled to get out his words, and now he's he's a man of God. His heart's so pure, faithful." I, faithful yeah and i have no qualms leaving on a sunday and asking him to full lead the service and, and preach and he like i said uh, men will call in the area we have a lot of small churches around us need someone to fill the pulpit i have no issues sending bryce uh we have other men jason we have two jasons in our church both love the lord both very very good servants of god all by vocational they m- most of them are don't take any money at all they they're, they work in in, in the world, but they they can handle the word. These were David's mighty men, oh, and that list was given twice by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. And yes. then Solomon's so-called wisest man that ever lived yeah. had no mighty men. And you're reproducing yourself here, preacher, by not by accident, but by conviction. Yes, and by being strategic. Yes, and, and incidentally, we have two. Two men who were in our church. One is in Chillicothe, and he worked in the prison system, but he moved to another uh, work in Chillicothe prison up there now, and he is in a church serving. He worked in youth ministry with us, and he's there. And then there was a gentleman that was on staff for a while, Dave Knees. He was over in Kentucky. He's pastoring a church now. So we're seeing some of the fruit of them going out and sending them out, and God is blessing, and we're just, man, we're just thrilled. It's just overwhelming to be a little part of what God does in uh, this little town, Portsmouth, Ohio, and yes. I'm in different small churches and counties around the country and just watching God continue to do his work. And yes. in the meanwhile, the big shots are biting the dust, and uh, we who know we are nobodies are just still seeing people get saved and yes. baptized, mm-hmm. added to the church, church growing, young men surrendering, getting trained, going out. Uh, a lot of preachers will be listening to this podcast. Tell us a little bit about uh, COVID. I would try to maybe take a couple minutes and how you got through the COVID thing. Yeah, I hate hate COVID. <laughs> um, well, we we got through it like everybody else. We struggled. We had no plan. We had no idea. I was online preaching. Uh, that went well. That was received well, and it kept us together. Uh, but for us, it was more of like a refining process. And when I say that, the only people that we lost were casual attenders. And most of our people that were regular attenders or members, we, we did not lose them as far as attendance-wise or faithfulness. Our giving went up. And I hear that a lot. Our giving went up. And perhaps because we didn't have all the ministry things going on and we didn't have all the expenses. I, I don't know. I'm just trusting God. All I see is that God says, I'll take care of you no matter what. It, what the situation is. So we, we were we were cautiously optimistic. Uh, we didn't know anything about COVID. Nobody. We did. went through the highs and the lows like everyone. We had the same thoughts of everyone. We battled with the same in our church. We had some who were for the vaccine, some who were against the vaccine. There were some people who um, who attended our church at one time, but they went to another church. They publicly ridiculed me because I'd closed our church down and went to live streaming for a while. And that was hurtful. You know, for all of our lives, pastors were telling people, come to church, come to church, come to church. And now we have to say, stay home. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that was that was huge. 
and so uh, that that was a that was a transitional period. It was a period that I had to learn to trust in the Lord. Every step of the way, it's been another lesson for me, and and it's just simply the lessons been the same. Always trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Without faith, it's impossible. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I would like to say that, oh, I went into it with this great faith. I went in scared to death, but in the end I had nothing to do, but trust him. Yeah, I could do. And so that's in a nutshell. Um, and in keeping the people, uh, the, I, I do not like politics. Uh, I, I'll Screaming, be honest, amen. I'll be honest with you. If you are I, one side or the other matters not to me. I know there's good and evil. I fall on the good side, but I, I know in the political parties, I'm I'm not a two party person. I'm I'm a Christian, and I'm going to vote the way the Word of God says to vote. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to get in the arguments. No one has ever read a Facebook post of mine and said, "Oh, I'm going to change my mind." And so um, yeah. I don't do that. I, I I would rather invest in someone as a disciple. Um, I think and I've so, made mistakes on that, but I'm learning from your testimony, Pastor, Pastor Kenny. <laughs> I'm doing better. Well, I, I'm learning a lot from you. I, I hate politics, too, I but it, it is the stage upon which it is the battle between God and Satan plays out upon, and I just want to point people to Jesus. You're right. To Jesus. And I think that's Jesus. your heart. I think that's your yeah. heart. I don't think you have political aspirations. I no, think. no, not at I all. Think, I think your heart is in... You know, find current events and prophecy hand in glove. That's you know. what I'm trying to do. So, yes. Glad you know my heart. Because <laughs> sometimes I might get a little cloudy oh. in the everyday world. Uh, There's only one Pastor Duke. <laughs> one God said one was plenty. <laughs> Moving uh. on. Um, how have you seen... Uh, the world changed since you began. How have you seen your ministry having to change to kind of adapt to the craziness that is our world today? When I grew up, again, growing up in Appalachia, we had considered part of the Bible Belt. There were churches on every corner, and the people had a little bit of Bible knowledge, or they knew about the Bible, whatever. And the Bible has always told us that evil will wax worse and worse. And I remember being a child in a church with guest pastors coming in, telling us all these evil things that were going to happen down the road. And I thought, these guys are crazy. Mm-hmm. They're, they cannot believe this stuff. And I am witnessing the very things they preached about when I was a kid that I thought they were crazy. And so I, I've seen that, and I've seen the church uh, become enamored, the Church of Laodicea, yeah. Neither hot nor cold. And lethargy, middle ground. apathy. Yeah, we don't want to offend anybody. Battle. We don't, yes. We don't. Dance around that doctrine. Cause. If you ever told me that we would have a discussion between what a man and a woman truly is, I would have laughed. But now we have all these different, I don't even know what, what it is. Yeah, I can and, only um, find two genders and I've told her seventy one others that I haven't yes, picked yes. up on. And and but but then take into account, I mean, in Ohio now people can get a, just with any quack doctor can get a medical marijuana card. And we have this culture that's ever increasingly moving away from God. And we are standing in the middle, and we're really the, you know, we are, with the Holy Spirit empowering us, we're the only ones that's really left here, and we have to shine the light. And the light shines brightest in the darkest. And so we need to, I've seen that change of, the. I've literally watched evil growing worse and worse. Deceiving and being Being deceived. deceived. Yes, yes. Supreme Court justice that can't define a woman, what a woman yes. is. Yes, it's a different world, but it get, for me, it gets more complicated. Where can you start? This is unbelievable. And then it, then it, I'm at the feet of Jesus, just angry at the world, angry at Satan, and then then I find Jesus again, and I'm not as my Savior, but as my Lord. And I'm just at His feet, and He's like, Duke, shut up, just yeah, look at me, trust me, and do the next right thing. And then He makes it simple again. We lift up his name. That's what we're doing at camp all day long, yeah, 24-7. Yes. I'm lifting him up in chapel, and you're lifting him up administratively, getting this camp together, and the men are lifting him up, building 
cabins and oh it's the property is beautiful now it's just uh, like we don't have time for all that but god is doing a work um i love uh, a couple more questions if you had to do all over again knowing what you know now what might you have done differently i think i would have started sooner mm. oh say that again i would have started sooner that that's my my only regret i i think part of who i am is the mistakes i've made and who, how God uses me is by the experiences I've had. But I would not have even fooled with business and insurance and army. And I mean, I still may have served my country, but I, I, would, have, I, I would have wanted to make disciples all along. And that's my biggest you had thing to I would do change. Over again. I'd start sooner. Jump in sooner, jump in deeper. Yes, sir. Amen yeah. to that. Yeah. And. Well, here's a question close to my heart. People say I'm the prophecy guy. So I'll, I'll be my final question. And uh, we've got a good five, six, seven minutes here. So don't rush through this. But uh, how close do you think we might be to the coming of the Lord and why? Well, obviously, we're nearer than we've ever been. <laughs> but, uh, yep, that's I, for sure. I, but I, I really think, in my understanding of prophecy, I, I too like prophecy. I'm not as astute as you are. But I do study prophecy, and I know that the the rapture of the church is imminent. It could happen at any time. Amen. And all the things, all the signs have happened, Israel becoming a state, all the regathering, all these things have come together, and there's nothing left but, yeah. but the rapture of the church. And some of the things we are seeing uh, right now unfold, we are seeing prepa- preparations being made for when we're gone. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there, these folks are talking about these UFOs and all these sightings, and Fox News is reporting about it, and et cetera. We have long since believed that that was going to be the explanation for the rapture of the church, that these UFOs came and took all these people away. All the deplorables yes, will disappear. All, yes, all, all the, the deplorables bad people will be gone. Yes, and uh, we're seeing this blurring, uh, again, of the roles. And this really started with... Uh, trying to emasculate young boys, mm-hmm. not letting them be men, mm-hmm. not teaching them boys are different than girls. Mm-hmm. And and our, our whole education system is fra- flawed. Feminizing the boys. Feminized boys. And- we, boys were not designed to sit at a desk. Mm-hmm. Little girls are. Boys are made to conquer. They're made to challenge. And they push Rise the to the occasion. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir. And so we see all this happening, and all these things are pointing to the use of drugs. Drugs is going to be used in, in the end times. Armakia, shaman with drugs, yes, revelation. Absolutely. Yep. And so all of these things are right here, right now. Converging, you, you, converging. I use the word. Yeah. You tell me uh, years ago how every eye could see at one time all around the world uh, when you had the two witnesses that were dead and lying in the street, and then they were resurrected in, in the prophecy, in the tribulation period, how could that happen? I mean, right now, you can literally, I can click on a, a button, and I, being in Ohio, can watch live streaming in Key West, Florida, of a beach scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, instant. Or Moscow, or, or Moscow, Beijing, Beijing, anywhere in the or, world or instantly. In, or, or a baby eaglet somewhere that somebody's put a camera on. I mean, we can literally see this. So I believe that the rapture is coming, and Lord Jesus is coming quickly. Take us out of here. And I, that's why I feel that if we can make disciples and we can train those disciples to go out and win people to Christ, mm-hmm. I don't want to just go by myself. When I go in the rapture, I want to take people with me. And uh, so that's if we really believe in the imminent imminency of the, the rapture of the church, the urgency of it. Yeah. Oh, we're I love gonna that tell word. people we're gonna tell people about Christ. Urgency. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've been asked that question a lot uh, recently. How close might we be? And I'm thinking, well, first of all, the technology is here. This stuff could not literally physically fulfill to the letter what the Bible says without this kind of technology. And we're not waiting now for the technology. When I saw that uh, image of the beast speaking Revelation 13 in, in 
1972, it was hard to take that literally. Now with AI and we oh, talk to Siri every yes. day, yes, it's it's just commonplace today. The satellites are here, facial recognition, and uh, the technology is here. But I think that I'm overwhelmed. I kind of got another shot of it this morning, learning about these little girls that have been trafficked, and they're in our camp by the providence of God who loved them. Yes. But uh, you think about this. You think about this. Google, if you have any kind of Google account, Google has everything they need on you to put on a chip to put in your skin. Yep. They got it all. Everything. They got it all. And that's kind of what we read about in Revelation 13, 13. written 2,000 years ago. Yes. But the thing that is moving me right now is how God was offended when the nation of Israel falsely accused him when they are in the wilderness. He delivered from Egyptian slavery, and he tested them, and they said, you just brought us out here to kill us and our children. And God's like, you called me a child killer? Yeah. He was offended. Absolutely. And I look what our nation is allowing to happen with this child trafficking thing. And here it is, right at, at our camp. We're yes. on the rescue side of this thing. Yes. But uh, what we are allowing as a nation and this movie that's coming out uh, un- revealing the mm-hmm. trafficking and how mainstream media, uh, mainstream uh, Hollywood TV is, is, is trying to take the light off of this child trafficking thing. Yes. And God's putting his hand of light on it. Yes. So I think God's just about had enough of Sodom, just about had enough of what we're doing to these kids. Absolutely. And King Jesus is going to come. So Even um, so, come quickly, Lord. Well, Pastor Kenny, it has been great to uh, be back. It's been great to see what God's been doing at Shawnee Hills, getting to know you as a as a friend, uh, preacher, accomplice, accomplice. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like accomplice in crime there. The devil hates us, that's for sure. But uh, thanks for having me in, and thanks for being on the podcast. And Thank you. hey, a listening audience, there's great men of God all around the country that aren't fakes, and they're not ripping people off, and they're not uh, trying to uh, get you to send them your money. So. God can have his favor upon you. So sorry for me for being so sarcastic and negative and criticism, but I'm witnessing the real deal. It makes me happy, and God's going to judge all the fake stuff out there. So thanks for joining us in. Like, share, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Let's get this message to the ends of the earth. God bless you next time. Bye-bye.